Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. Everybody for Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you're watching the Aftershock, our weekly show where we bring you the latest and greatest from the metaverse and the world of Web3. Today and every Wednesday, I'm always joined by my co-host Richard Carthon, except for when he's out of town. This is Richard. Richard, how we doing? What's up, everybody? Uh, doing good. Uh, we're still seeing. I, I don't. I don't call it doom and gloom. I don't want to call it the hype, but like we're just in this never-ending cycle of. Market cap, overall market cap between like 1.8 trillion and like 2.1. And the price of Bitcoin going between like 38,000 and 45,000, right? So, like, we've just been in this five month lull of just consolidation. So, you know, not a whole lot of downside. Like, if anything, I'm excited because the fundamentals are as strong as they are, but the price movement not being as wrap it up or down makes me feel like this is a really, really good accumulation period uh, before we see our next big move. Not to say that there might not be some pain before we start to see the full benefits of what's to come as far as money pouring into the market. But as far as this week goes, as we kind of are approaching the end of April, April is a historically bullish month for uh, the world of crypto. We haven't really seen that. I mean, we've, we've seen some peaks. We've also seen some valleys. It's kind of like just at a place where it's just sustaining. So um, overall, as a long-winded way of saying, um, I'm in just this state of zen, right? Not really too high, not really too low, just taking everything for how it is. How are you? You know, man, I'm doing okay. I think that with what you just were getting at with like being in this state of zen, I'm kind of just over here, like what's the right way to say it? Let's just go with shaking in my boots saying, why no number go up, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's what we like to see over here in Web3 is we like to see the number go up. But I'll be honest, when I'm looking at charts, I'm pretty bored right now. To your point, it's all been very sideways. The way that I've been exciting myself and kind of forcing that little like tap to the vein, try to get the little bit of, bit of the high is in the NFT market. So for yep. me, I got to tell you, I'm energized. I'm loving what I'm seeing. I think it's been a really fun market out there in the NFT landscape the last couple of weeks. And I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon as long as number don't go up. But if you're new here, welcome. We're glad to have you. We want to see you come back. So please do me a favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel or you're following us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We do publish this show to YouTube 
every single Wednesday and also to all of your favorite podcast directories. Um, any other things we would ask of our listeners, Rich, before we dive in? If you're not following uh, this handsome man in front of you named Stephen Miller, uh, make sure you're doing that on Twitter and all the other places so you can get all the latest and greatest on insights. And if you don't mind following a less attractive human, uh, follow me at Richard Carthon. And uh, if you are listening to us over the airwaves, join us on YouTube. Uh, we have some really cool visuals that we like to share with these productions. Um, if you haven't joined us yet, I'm encouraging you and inviting you to come do so. And... Um, be on the lookout. We got some really cool things coming out on Discord and Telegram as well. So enough of that. Let's get into why you're here today. Let's look at some news. Before we do, I just need to say one quick thing because I think it's absolutely hysterical. You realize you're giving me the compliment saying, follow me on, follow him on Twitter, this handsome man. Man, I've been rocking different PFPs for the last five months. I haven't had a That's single right, picture man. of my I haven't had a single picture of my face on my Twitter in months. You're basically so. undoxed at this point. Look, man, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to just rein, rein it back in. I want my anonymity back. But you're right. It's time to jump into it. This is the Aftershock. So what is the Aftershock, you might be asking at home? Well, the Aftershock is where we take you into the Web3 lightning round. Every single story around the um, world of Web3 that we think needs to be on your radar. And as of this week, at least in my opinion... There is no bigger story than the fact that we now have a second nation that is recognizing Bitcoin as legal tender. That is, of course, the Central African Republic. Um, if you were to look at a map and drop a pin directly into the center of Africa, you nailed it. So Richard, talk to me a little bit about Bitcoin going legal tender in Africa, especially because this is the very first African nation. Um, where do you see it going from here? We now have two countries. We now have two continents. We're going to see this thing continue to go in this direction. The fact that as volatile as Bitcoin typically is, for two countries to have essentially turned Bitcoin into legal tender around like the $40,000 mark, and it's sustained as long as it has, it's showing that Bitcoin is starting to be more like pretty stable. Um, as far as uh, your, your typical dollar cost average price over the course of months. Whereas if you look at these countries, their price volatility is way more volatile, way more extreme. So, and isn't necessarily appreciating at the same pace uh, that the opportunity of Bitcoin is. So it's providing validity. It's providing a source of liquidity because you can get liquid in Bitcoin pretty much anywhere. And it's also showing the the validity that Bitcoin can be seen as a hedge against uh, a hedge against local currency, so I think this is going to be a trend that we see more and more happen this year. As inflation that is happening in the U.S. is starting to have outer effects to the rest of the world, so as our dollar, the U.S. dollar, becomes weaker and it's crushing other countries that unfortunately rely on us, they're going to start looking elsewhere. So you might not see. Uh, a hedge of inflation in the U.S. directly going to Bitcoin as much, but you might start seeing it more and more and more overseas. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this develops. Um, it, just in your opinion, I personally don't think that we're going to see any European nations adopting Bitcoin as legal tender anytime soon. I don't see it happening here in the States. But if you had any guess, where would you say the next um, big move for Bitcoin legal tender nation states 
um, is going to come from? Are we going to see it in South America, Latin America, Africa, um, Asia? Where do you see it happening next? Um, I still see it happening in South America and in African countries. I think it may be a while before we see it occurring. And I think Asian countries would then be next. And then eventually it would get to Europe. And I don't know if it ever will happen in the US, but uh, that's how I kind of see it playing out. How do you see it playing out? Personally, I think that we're going to see a lot more of South America and Africa jump onto the train of Bitcoin being their legal tender. I don't think it's going to slow down. I think we're going to see probably by the end of this year, I believe the number that we were speculating on at the beginning of the year was five nations total. And I think that it's probably going to be four or five. I don't believe that we're going to see it just kind of stagnate here around two and like see these countries just basically just like playing around with it. I think that in the States, especially, it's not going to happen. We're never going to see a time in the next five years where the United States all of a, all of a sudden federally decides to make Bitcoin a legal tender. Not happening. That being said, there are already states that are deciding to hold it on their balance sheets. Um, Tennessee just voted to do that last week. Okay, I would, Im- I would imagine that Florida is not far behind. No. So I'm curious to see you know, how many states actually start getting on board with cryptocurrency at large before I am getting excited about all these countries making Bitcoin legal tender. But I definitely could see a lot more happening in Africa. And I could definitely see more happening in South America as well. I think that a lot of Europe is going to be guided by the EU right now. They're all pretty intimidated about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also argue that most Asian nations are going to defer to China because they fear them. That's right. So that is my quick analysis of that. But let's move into our next story. Um, this is one I don't think we're going to spend much time on uh, because I think there's a lot that's still coming out about it. And that is, of course, about ETH 2.0. You know that the rollout of it got pushed back to Q3. Um, that is pretty clear that they're going to move forward with it in Q3. But what's new is that developers are finding that after the merge happens, staking yields, basically your ability to secure the network and get Ethereum back, it's basically the replacement of mining, staking yields will be lower than anticipated following the merge. How do you take this? Is this another moment of ETH like falling short? Or is this just kind of a new development? Um, I think they're falling short, but I also think they underestimated the power of how large they would be and the utilization of NFTs. So with as much traffic that's starting to happen and you're starting to see volume continue to thrive, like as much as as much as the rest of the market has been really hit, and even, yes, Ethereum's coming from its all-time high from 4K back down to around 3,029, it's still been moving sideways. And like regular gas fees have been starting to go down, maybe because it's for whatever reason, but like I don't see this as being a problem for people to not still stake Ethereum. Usually when people say their yields are going to be longer, they'll be like, uh, I'd rather do like not yield anymore and whatever. People are still going to keep yielding it up for Ethereum. So I don't really see it as 
too big of a challenge, but not surprised. Um, well, we're going to have to keep, keep watching how that one develops. Now on to what I personally think is a very interesting story. Andre Cronier brought him up a couple months ago, and that was, of course, because he decided that he was officially done with DeFi. He made the announcement in March that he is no longer interested in being involved in any of the DeFi projects that he was involved in developing, um, which was very, very shock- shocking at the time um, because he was a week or two away from releasing a brand new DeFi project. Um, so he's officially announced that he's coming out of retirement. Why? Well, to focus on nothing more exciting than regulation-focused projects. I don't get it. It doesn't make any damn sense to me. But what do you think? I mean, do you think this is actually going to make a difference or is Andre just kind of officially off his rocker? So the only reason why I say this makes sense is because with him being big picture and you're looking at like the flow of money, how do we get to mass adoption? It is regulation. It is having clear guidelines on how these bigger players can play. And once the rules of engagement have been placed and the regulations in place, that's when you see a flood, a flood of money start to come into the market. So if if he's like, I'm going to help this flood of money come and I'm going to be at the forefront causing this regulation, I think that's potentially his play. But otherwise it's ah man, I don't know. You got it's a special person that wants to really, really, really figure out regulation. Look, I mean he's he's a very big brain individual. There's no there's no question in that. I just don't know how somebody goes from DeFi to regulation over the course of a month. It just, it's really hard for me. But we're going to keep an eye on here for you. So we will let you know how this story continues to develop. Our next story, the um, saga of Elon Musk continues. There's never a week in the world of crypto where we're not talking about Elon on some level. Well, this week... We bring you back to the story where he is apparently super interested in acquiring Twitter. We told you that Twitter's board um, had made the decision they were going to vote to take the poison pill in order to essentially not allow him to take over. And $44 billion later, here we are. He has officially acquired Twitter. So not only that he could have done a lot more with that $44 billion, like solve world hunger four times over. What do you make of the entire investment? Do you think that this is going to be positive for um, the crypto community at large or just Dogecoin holders? Man, the, the crypto community at large is already is, is pumping, right? You, you look at Dogecoin, it's up like 20%. Uh, shocker. Um, when you look at even the $44 billion he's put into this, it's only 17% of his wealth. And his wealth is going to continue to rise with everything else going on with Tesla and everything else. So he's not really, he's not worried about this. But when you think about the power of what he's been able to do, when you think about different areas that these large corporations and and people are are taking over, he's going at the pulse of the world of, of, of speech, free speech. What does it mean for anyone to be able to say whatever they want? And he holds the keys to the kingdom right now because Twitter for a long time and for the most part has been the platform to do said thing. Um, so I would just say this, like just as powerful as he already was, this puts him in an even more powerful position. So as it relates to crypto and him, you know, 
semi being bullish on on crypto. I think it, it helps, but yeah, man, I time will tell. I'll be straight. Like I don't like this news. I really don't. And there's a couple of reasons. The big one is this guy needed to move to Mars about five years ago. And he's postponing his ability to move to Mars. I want people to fulfill their dreams. And really, he's just getting in his own way. The real reason I'm upset about this news is I personally believe that any time that I've observed an entrepreneur who is either hardware focused or like physical product focused come in to lead a software company, that software company goes on to fail. And right now, Twitter is one of the most fundamental platforms for crypto and crypto communities. And to see that fail under a guy like him would be tragic. So I'm going to keep watching it. I'm gonna, I want to see how it develops. I would love to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say that he's going to fix it or he's going to make Dogecoin the official currency of Twitter and reward social engagement with Dogecoin or something crazy like that. But I don't see it happening. I just don't. I think there's going to be some massive drama that unfolds from this. And it's going to oh, just melt down. Oh, expect the drama. I do like that Twitter's been very pro-crypto with being able to do NFTs and be able to take crypto payments and all this other kind of stuff. I just hope it continues. I hope it doesn't be like, oh, sorry, we're not doing this anymore. It's all going to Dogecoin now, which power to the Dogecoin holders out there. But, eh. but look, he's truly the troll of all of tech. So, <laughs> so to me, like this to me is kind of screaming like, this is the biggest rug pull in history, right? Like that's, that's what we're looking at here. So we'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on it for you. We'll keep you posted. Our last story in Web3 Lightning Round is probably the most urgent of them. Um, MetaMask. If you're familiar with the wallets that you use within the Ethereum network, MetaMask should be one that you're very, very familiar with. They have officially announced a warning to all users of iPhones and um, Apple devices that their seed phrases are actually backed up in iCloud unless you turned off at auto backups. This means that if any hacker is able to get into your iCloud settings, get into your iCloud, penetrate through that attack vector, you're screwed. It's really scary. Like these hackers, they're getting more and more relentless by the day. And this is just another way they can get at your crypto. So what do you think? Do you think this is as big of a deal as it sounds to me on the surface? Or are you thinking that this is just an easy fix and then we move on? Um, it's definitely something to be concerned about, especially if you're an iPhone user and you use MetaMask primarily like on your iPhone. Even if you're using it on your MacBook and have these autos set up, then, then yeah, the, the first thing you can do to pr protect yourself in this is to one, get you a cold storage device, potentially like a ledger, move all of your assets if you can over to that ledger, and then make it so when you connect back to your MetaMask that everything must go through the ledger. Because even if somehow they take it, your assets are protected because they would have to physically have your device. So that's at least one thing you can do to protect yourself. But 
the other way, if someone really takes your stuff, you're you're just kind of out of luck. Which that that sucks. That's that's tough. I feel like this is more of a MetaMask problem than an iCloud. Like they should have thought through that before, you know, making that the primary automatic thing put in place. So. You know, is what it is at this point. Can't really go back and change it. But if if you feel like you might be susceptible to this right now, um, definitely do some things and put some things in place right now to make sure that in the event someone could get your seed phrase, that, that they can't just you don't have everything on your MetaMask and they can just move it all and you just got robbed. Yeah, look, it's 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 always a scary thing dealing with scams. But there was actually another big scam that got rolled out earlier on, like over the weekend, where an Instagram account took over the Board API Club account, Yuga Labs accounts, and even started rolling out malicious links um, that were sweeping wallets clean, right? Those types of phishing links that basically say, hey, our big land sales open, we want to pull... Um, if you want to buy your land, buy your land through here. That all happened over the over the weekend. We're gonna get into Yuga a little bit more in a minute, but what other things can people look out for on the security side of things? Like, how can they secure themselves outside of that? Two factor authentication. Look at cold storage. Uh, physically write down your seed phrases. Um, try not to store them up in any clouds. Uh, those are three quick ways you can do that. Awesome. In that case, let's move into what happened in the metaverse last week. Last week in the metaverse, we had a lot of really big stories, but the big one to me right up off the top is that OpenSea has officially acquired the NFT marketplace aggregator gem.xyz. For those that have not been on gem.xyz, I strongly recommend that you go up and check it out. I think it's probably the best place right now to buy NFTs. And that is saying a lot because not a lot of platforms have done what they have done. They've already built in um, integrated rarity. Okay, So you can track any collection's rarity throughout. You can sweep a collection, meaning you can go in and mass purchase a number of NFTs off the floor. You can do mass offers if you want to offer wrapped Ethereum across the entire collection for every single piece. Talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, you have that option. But now it is officially under OpenSea's flag. So do you think this is going to have a tremendous amount of effect on the NFT landscape, Rich? Or is OpenSea just going to absorb GEM's product offering? Oh, they're going to absorb that. And they're, they're, they're hedging right now because they have to. Because when Coinbase uh, uh, announced their NFT marketplace beta last week, they're like, all right, well, what can we do to keep securing as much of this market share for ourselves as we can before a major competitor comes in and trying to build it up? So um, I think this is a good play. Also, it was kind of a power move. Uh, some news came out that the GMXYZ, um, someone on their leadership uh, got into some, uh, got let go because of some sexual misconduct. And so with the bad press and everything else, OpenSea was probably like, hey, let us come in and, and, and help help make this go away. And they probably got a better price for it. So uh, business, but um, again, OpenSea is, is trying to, Get as big of a lead in the market as they can before that uh that that power horse Coinbase NFT marketplace comes out. Doesn't it seem like a desperation move? You know, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. So I would, 
I would say maybe. I would say I've I've heard that once or twice. Um, but again, to me, I personally look at this from the perspective of this is OpenSea realizing, oh wow, we're in deep. Because frankly, when Coinbase NFT really starts popping, like we're we're really gonna have to up the ante and we're gonna have to provide a lot more value than we currently are. So yeah. we'll, have, we'll have to see. I would love to see OpenSea integrate the features that Gem has, um, as well as update their UI because I'm getting really tired of Coinbase, not Coinbase, OpenSea's UI. But let's move on to our next story. UTA, the Universal Talent Agency out of Hollywood, California, has officially signed an exclusive deal with Deadfellas. Um, this is a really big deal. This is the next collection that is officially going to be represented by UTA. And of course, UTA already represents CryptoPunks and MeBits, as well as... What is it? I just had it in my head and it just went right out. Autoglyphs. Is this the beginning of a new trend? Because I think that we are starting to see an expansion into IP rights across the board with Coinbase last week rolling out this idea that they're going to build a trilogy around Board API Club's property as well as other metaverse properties. Is this just the beginning or is this just a headline that we're going to see happen right now and not much is going to come of it? Oh, it's just the beginning. Um, again, the, the, the money flow when you think about the easiest onboard for regular retail investment and, and money for people to come into this market, NFTs is one of the first places. There's a lot of people that I've met in the last year that legitimately have bought NFTs before they bought crypto, which blows my mind. So. I, this is the beginning. Well, I certainly hope that we start to see more of this happen, but I'm not necessarily sure how applicable Deadfellas is to a lot of the stuff that we see out there in the market. The next piece that we have happening in the metaverse last week was the official mint of the association, which is the NBA's brand new dynamic NFT collection. I'm really interested by this personally, because dynamic NFTs are something that are just being explored. And I think one of the biggest downsides to NBA Top Shot was the fact that you're basically just getting a quick GIF and there's really no value to it. Okay, Because you don't control any of the IP. It still all belongs to the NBA. In this case, with these dynamic NFTs, it's a collection of 18,000 NFTs each that are linked to specific players across the NBA. And as you look at these NFTs, they will actively update throughout the season to reflect the player's stats and to show where they actually compare across the league to other players. So I personally am super into this idea. I think it's... I don't, I don't necessarily want to call it ground, groundbreaking because I think I'm getting ahead of myself there. But what do you think of this? Is dynamic NFTs going to be the next meta or what? I mean, it's all in how they position it. Because when you think about like these, these people who are hardcore, like I want to collect cards. I want to collect these, these trading cards or people's rookie cards or, or whatever it is. Like it'd be, it would be cool that like you get the card and it like dynamically is updating all the stats for you and all this stuff. But I guess like with it being dynamic, does it lose its luster of being like of its uniqueness? I don't I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but basically, for example, if you have a one of one Charizard that's super rare, 
that's really cool. But like if that Charizard then like showed how it like evolves when it went from the Kyoto League to like all the other worlds and whatever and how it like was improving over time. Yeah, that'd be cool. But would that make it as special as the original? So I'm I'm curious of like how they're going to be able to show that value, if that makes sense. I think it does make sense. And I think it's good enough for us to move on for right now. Board Ape Yacht Club. It's like we'd never go a week here without talking about Board Ape Yacht Club, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are, they are for now like the one biggest NFT project in the world, but that can be our reason for today. Board Ape Yacht Club over the past week celebrated its first year of being on the market. Um, it's one year anniversary or birthday, if you would like to call it that. And it celebrated that by announcing that its other side land sale is officially set for April 30th. Now, Richard, will you or I be able to participate in this land sale? No. That's correct. Because only a certain group of people are able to truly participate in the land sale. Now, that is not talking about a party round that you may have heard of over the weekend. I'm not going to get into that news. The news that I'm trying to get into here is that you had to go through a very rigorous KYC process in order to try to get approved to participate in the land sale. I actually participated in it. I went ahead and tried to KYC. And for some weird reason, they declined me. I don't know why. I will (laughs) never understand why. But they were really, really strict about the way they wanted to do it. So... In order to participate, you had to have already been authorized in the KYC process. And that is just if you're participating in the public land sale. If you're a board ape holder, you're already automatically getting land. You have to think of it like circles. So you have the inner circle, which is all of the premier best land in the ecosystem. That is what's being airdropped to board ape holders. Then you have the next outer circle. You have that for the mutant ape holders. Outside of that, you then have the final circle, which is the public sale. I think it's a really great way of deploying it. Um, I just wish that they were being more accessible about it. But then again, in this public sale, Yuga Labs is not taking on any of the liability. That's all on the, the back of Animoca Brands. So... It's interesting, but I'm curious of what your take is on the whole land sale process. Do you think this is just going to go down without a hitch and they're just going to make an absolute shit ton of money or what's what's the whole deal? 100%. So this is when when people are talking about like metaverses, um, when you're creating land, you're creating a, an, a virtual environment for now these board club holders to be able to go and experience, have exclusiveness like... This is the new exclusive thing to be in. And what they're doing is making it basically, if you were one of the cool people to be in, they're making it so amazing that they're like, why would you ever leave? Like, why would you ever leave? And so what you're, what you're doing for the public sale, even though you're on the outer circle, you want to buy a piece of that in hopes that like when they do future things, now you're in that circle and you now can get into the future things that they're building out. And so it's one of those things where once you get into the ecosystem, unless you're trying to just make a quick flip, which a lot of these people, there's still people out there trying to do that, but most are just trying to get in so they can keep reaping future benefits of being part of this exclusive club. And like they they have, they've created that brand and it's it's there. 
Yeah, I think there's a couple other really interesting details that come out of this. So in this news of the other other side land sale, the mint will be exclusively in ApeCoin. So you have to use their currency. They're not accepting Ethereum. That to me is really, really interesting because that means they're really leaning into the, the ApeCoin as the currency of the metaverse idea. I'm a fan of it personally, but I think that it's going to make for a lot of really interesting ApeCoin price action. The other piece that I find interesting is that they're absolutely leaning into Dutch auction. So they are going to be auctioning off these pieces of land based on um, a sliding scale. So it's going to decrease in ApeCoin price over time. The final piece is that your ability to airdrop claim if you're a board ape holder or a mutant ape holder will be open for 21 days following the auction. So you are not in any type of rush. If gas gets absolutely crazy, you don't have anything to worry about. The other detail that I think is going to be overlooked here is that this is not the first, but it is now the second time that Bored Ape Kennel Club holders have gotten absolutely screwed. <laughs> because again, during the ApeCoin claim, it was just like, okay, if you own a Bored Ape Kennel Club NFT, you're going to get a little bit of a bonus if you have a mutant ape or if you have a board ape, right? Like it was a bonus of like 2000, but you had to be holding the two of them in the same wallet. You couldn't claim ApeCoin if you just had a Kennel Club NFT. Yep. Same, thing, same thing goes here. All Kennel Club holders are screwed. I think that's going to be really bad for the value. But what all out of the whole announcement is your big takeaway? The big takeaway is that Board Eight Yacht turned a year. And in one year, they basically became a $4 billion company. You want to talk about a super unicorn? That's a super unicorn. This is going to be a case study. People are going to do case studies on this later in life and figure out what, what happened here. And I feel like they're just at the beginning. They're just getting started. It's only going to continue to get um, crazy out here um, as it relates to, to all of this. So... Um, the reasons why you want to continue to learn about the NFT space is that board apes aren't going to be the only ones out here like this. There's going to be others. And I'm sure we're about to cover one of them that could potentially compete. Yeah, because again, they're they're starting to work their way into um, the list of projects that we have to cover every single freaking week over here and last week in the metaverse. Um, but I will tell you my one big takeaway from this is they're making this out to be a huge deal. It is a huge deal. Understand that with huge deals, come huge scams. So please, please, please protect yourselves. If you are seeing any types of giveaways online regarding Board Ape land or claim links, click no links. Make sure you are only trusting the Yuka Labs account on Twitter, the other side account on Twitter, and other verified sources that are directly linked to Board Ape Yacht Club and not outside guesswork sources. That is my final word on the other side land sale. It is not our last word on Board Ape Yacht Club, though. I'm really pretty excited about this. There was a big announcement that last year, I think they gathered four Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs together to essentially be a brand new metaverse band. It was called Kingship. Well, 
they officially have their second Board Ape Yacht Club band now. It is called Board Brothers. And it is going to be the dynamic duo of One Republic's Ryan Tedder, the front man for One Republic, and Kygo. I can't wait to listen to the music. They've already got a single out. It dropped, I want to say, on Saturday or Sunday. So go check that out. I think it's up on the Royal platform, but very interesting to talk about and start to see. This is the piece that Richard was talking about. Moonbirds. God, Moonbirds. Um, The last week has been the official second week of Moonbirds' existence. And if you thought the first one was a roller coaster, uh, part two is, is something else. So I want you to pick your favorite piece of the three because there's technically three separate stories in the Moonbirds news and we'll take it from there. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, the wild sales. So um, so three different things happened uh, in this past week and we're going to cover all of them. So uh, there's been a couple of wild sales. Uh, Ryan Carson, uh, the COO, has been tossed out. And then Alexis Ohanian invests $10 million um, and is now best to be a part of it. So for those who don't know Alexis, um, he owned Reddit, sold it, um, and quote unquote is retired. He ain't going to stay retired. He's probably about to get super involved in this project and, and more NFT projects. Because he's, already on, he's already on the Dow Council for Board Ape. There we go. So the NFTs are now his new home. Um, I want to spend time. Actually, I'm gonna let you talk about the wild sales because you blew my mind when you told me about it. I'm gonna spend time on Alexis. the The reason why I think this is cool is you're starting to see some of these Web 2.0 guys who came in, made all their money, had a lot of fun, quote unquote, retired, and they're finding Web 3 and they're getting involved. Why? Is it to follow the money? Is it to do all the stuff? No, it's because it's a ton of fun. It's something new. It's something fresh. They're at the forefront of it, and they can continue to lay their claim on creating the environment and world that they want to see, especially as it continues to be into the the digital world. And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of these types of caliber people entering uh, the NFT and Web3 space. Sorry, I was running on mute there for a little bit too long. So... I I love this story. I really do. I think that it goes to show that people are still fallible in this space and they make mistakes. And I like that people can be human. Um, We're not all just running on smart contracts yet and just relying on AI and robots. The big wild sale news of the last week is that there there was officially a new all-time high sale of a Moonbird. And it was one of the like one of one top rarity pieces sold for 350 ETH. So I sent you that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, surprise, surprise. We now have an insane purchase of a Moonbird selling up over 300 ETH. It was not the only Moonbird that sold over 300 ETH. There was another one that sold for 305, like a day or two later. But before that happened, somebody else was ready to make a massive Moonbird purchase. So they decided to go up onto, I think it was probably Genie or um, Gem.xyz to make a offer across a couple of different, like really high rarity tier Moonbirds. But what they didn't do properly was exclusively offer that like specific numbered offer 
to the specific group of NFTs that he was try- he or she was trying to offer to. So instead, they accidentally put up a 240 ETH offer across the entire collection. And some very, very lucky person out there was paying attention. So they sold a very common moonbird <laughs> to this poor, now poor person for 240 ETH. Biggest come up of the year. Absolutely the biggest come up of the year. That is just madness. Um, I'm only going to gloss over the final story here, and that's that Ryan Carson is out as COO. I think it's a, a damn shame, to be honest with you. I really like Ryan Carson, what he's spoken on in the past and the ways that he's talked about building up Moonbirds. But there was just like one announcement that he made so close to the sale about wanting to start this new NFT fund. They really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I think that it just kind of was the last nail in the can- nail in the coffin for his time officially working on the leadership team at Moonbirds. So it's not, you hate to see it, but he's officially out and there's probably a whole lot more stories to come from Moonbirds. <clears throat> the final story this week comes from a project that I really hope more people know about now, um, but it was worth knowing about before. It's called um, the Aku Universe, AKU. And it's from former uh, Major League Baseball player Micah Campbell. They've been rolling out this kind of really intricate storyline for the better part of a year and a half now around this character called Aku. And it all kind of has come to fruition with the Akutars or Akutars series. It was set to drop like in the latter part of the week. Now, these were all going to be variations on the Aku character, which is this little kid that basically is you know on this journey around the metaverse. Um, and he wears like this really cute little space helmet. Everything looked like this was going to be a banger. At like we actually had plans to talk about this like midweek, saying this is absolutely going to be the next big Moonbird play because Micah is so well respected in the space. Turns out there was a massive, massive vulnerability and exploit in the contract. Money was not necessarily hacked. But there was an error basically that was manipulated by a hacker, somebody that knew the smart contract really, really well. It essentially locked up about $38 million in the smart contract and they couldn't get it out. So hmm. that means that while people could have like actually put in their, their redemption or bought their NFT, they could get it. But all the ETH that was supposed to go to the team was going to be locked in really rough. There has apparently been a couple of different collaborations across the last weekend in trying to find a fix for it. But it looks like they're going to find a way around it for the moment. But man, this is just kind of testament to the fact that you need to take your development seriously. You need to be really stress testing and auditing your smart contracts before you put it in, right? Absolutely. So... These smart contracts, quote unquote, smart contracts, they're not all that smart. Not all of them. And security continues to be one of the biggest challenges that any new space 
fines because scammers are going to follow the money and the money's right now in this space because hackers can come in and exploit and make things happen. So uh, for whoever, whoever's planning on leasing an NFT project or even a, a Web3 project with smart contracts involved, make sure you have a really, really, really good security person on the team to audit and make sure that everything is where it needs to be, especially when it's time for launch. Because the worst thing is you put in all this effort, energy, you raise all this money, you do all this stuff, and then this happens and it just puts an extremely sour taste in all the, the effort, energy, everything that you've done just out by the wayside. And look, if you're Micah Campbell and team who've like got phenomenal reputations in the space... I mean, it, this is a gut punch. Yeah. You know, like this, this really hurts because everybody's come to love and respect you and see that like you may have skimped on your security or your development because Cousin Ronnie develops solidity now. Like that's, it's unfortunate. It, it really is unfortunate. But I, I wish nothing but the best to Micah and the Aku team. Hopefully they will be able to work this out with a little bit, little bit of help from their friends. But that is going to do it for our show this week. Um, again, if you do us a favor, let us know what you think of the show right now um, by leaving us a review over on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or even come and leave us a comment on YouTube. We would love it if you could subscribe or follow if you enjoyed the show so you can come back and know whenever we're bringing out new content. We do this show once a week, but we also release two other pieces of content through these platforms every single week. It is a Monday interview and a Friday interview. This week's Monday interview, a little bit different. Namely because we felt it necessary to give you a bit of a deeper dive into the entire release of Coinbase NFT's beta. So if you go on right now, you can check out that special report. But Richard, who are our listeners going to hear from this Friday? So Friday, you're going to be listening to um, Pranjal Prasher, who is the co-founder of Paxel Finance. Paxo Finance is helping you with uncollateralized loans. Um, so there's a lot of ways right now for you to go and, and use the world of DeFi. And you usually have to put up more collateral uh, to be able to get the amount of money that you want. In this one, uh, in this environment, you actually don't have to put nearly as much up. So it's a really cool opportunity and uh, really interesting and something to look forward to learning more about if you are trying to learn more about this DeFi space. Awesome. Well, in other words, in other Cryptocurrent related news. We also have plenty of new editorial content coming to you two to three times a week over on crypto-current.co. We have our Crypto Decrypted series where our other host, Chris, will break down a basic concept for you if you're new to the crypto space and want to just keep learning, which we encourage. And then last but not least, if you are looking for more engagement and you want to talk to me and Richard maybe when he decides to show up and and our wonderful um, resident rapper, Ricochet, you can drop by our Twitter space every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it has been a lot of fun hosting those non-fungible Thursday spaces. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Aftershock. We really hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed chatting with you. And until next time, we hope you guys stay cryptocurrent. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.